Welcome in, everybody, to yet another edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. Chris Watkins, Frankie Cardicelli, we're still doing this thing, um, this time from the glorious KHK Studios um, here at KHK Studios. Uh, Why are we doing this? Well, me and you know what? Let's let's peel back the curtain a little bit. Uh, well, I, you you meant why are we why are we doing this to ourselves? Sure. We, I was gonna say literally why are we in office? Let's but, get literally why we're yeah. in office. <laughs> we are literally in office because pandemic is starting to slowly come to an end, and me and Frank are slowly trying to come back into office. But is it coming um, to an end though? You know, we'll see. Omicron. That could be old takes exposed real Omicron, quick. Omicron, yeah. Omicron is gonna say hold up. Omarion is coming. Hold up. That ice box. Uh, what are they? Can I ask where they make up the names for? Yeah, it's not like isn't with hurricanes they like do the next like it's A Alphabet- so yeah, Alpha B will be like Brittany C will be Corey D will be Darnell. I don't think they do that with with COVID variants. It's people that are smarter than us, I guess. Where Omicron does that word mean Omicron? anything? Like, um, I mean, obviously there was the Delta variant. That's generally meaning like, oh, it's the fourth variant. Uh, you know, um, I don't know. I don't they, know. They seem to have jumped some letters there between D and O. I can't find does, it. Like, is that like a word? Like, is Omicron a word before? I think it's a medical word that smart people that are smarter than us ah. uh, know. Mm. And for idiots. Sounds a little bit like a transformer. Yeah. Idiots like us, I think, have to you know, kind of like just take Decepticons and Omicrons and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Which is what idiots like us would say. Mm-hmm. Um, Shout out Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, speaking of holes... Shia LaBeouf, um, the Kings are trying to dig their way to the core of the earth and engulf themselves <laughs> in a fiery inferno uh, of misery. Unholiness. Yes. Yes. Uh, I um, Yeah. I honestly, last night when the Kings were playing the Raptors, uh, it, it, it was a thought I had. It, I'm, I'm 27 years old. I've been watching Young. the Kings. I think I've watched... 90%, 95% of every Kings game since 2007, which means I started yeah. when I was 12, really watching them, like sitting down and watching them. I don't know if I've ever been as turned off by a team than I am at this very moment right now. I just, I honestly thought last night I would, I want to watch like rerun, like a, a show like The Office. I've watched mm-hmm. a million times. I'll watch anything else right now. Scrubs, whatever. I'll watch any show that I've watched a million times that I've, I've seen before and know how it ends. Opposed to watching this team just get ragdolled because they've been getting what three game stretch has been more humiliating. I mean, I can't think of a specific three game stretch, but to your point of like, I can't remember a time when I wanted to watch them less. Like it does feel very much like the, you know, the Bano Udrith years where it's just like, we're not like, we're not a good team. We're not winning. The difference between those teams and this team is. Is like, yeah, Beno Udrith was our best player at those times. So, like, you shouldn't expect to win when the Spurs' seventh, eighth best man is now your best player. Um, The difference is now, you know, we're paying De'Aaron Fox like he's a max player. We have Harrison Barnes. We have all these guys. I've been saying people in my private, like, hope and expectation is a real BZ because it will, that's what kills you is, the level of the, having any sort of expectation, having any sort of hope. And I think that's what hurts so bad is that it's not that people were expecting. I mean, some people were expecting a legit playoff team, but um, it's not like we were expecting world beaters. But for them to just come out and look no different than what they've been in the past, this, 
it's just we were expecting to see anything different. And this is just absolutely more of the same. Um, and I, I just don't see how I don't want to get into a tangent here, but I don't see how you can continue to roll out this group of guys, this this roster and expect any different results than losing. You're just going to continue to lose basketball games because that's what we've seen that this this grouping of people is we've seen what their talent is. Every single person on this roster has played, has gotten some minutes. It's not Mo Harkless isn't getting 15 minutes. It's not Chemezi Metu needs to be in start in the starting lineup. It's not Damian Jones needs to play over Tristan Thompson. None of those things are the answer. None of it. None of it is changing how this team is going to perform. Like it might be a different style or, you know, look a little bit different, but we've seen it is not a consistent way of winning with this team. I think we all know, as we didn't know already, I think we all know for absolute certain now, the answer to correcting this team's path, it's not on the current roster. Mm -hmm. This current roster is not going to solve the issues that have been happening over the past the whole season, mm-hmm. eleven and seventeen through twenty-eight games. We're we're not talking about a ten-game sample size anymore. We're not talking about oh, it's so early in the season. Over thirty percent of a season is gone. Next up, halfway point. Mm-hmm. Not too far away from now. No, about a month from now, we'll be halfway through the season. So it, it's we're at a point now where Monty McNair has to make a decision, and it has to happen quickly. And I know that. Because of the the plan, and this is why the NBA made the plan a thing. Mm-hmm. They wanted to have more teams like the Kings, suckers like, like the Minnesota Timberwolves, like the San Antonio Spurs that are out of the would be out of the playoff hunt in most years. Um, Sacramento, I have no idea how the hell it's possible. They're three and a half games out of a seven seed. And if you're looking at it from an eye test, this team's playing like they're 20 games out. It's just, it's, it's very confusing, but they're running out of time because while they're sure they're knocking on the door of a 10 seed, they're pretty much tied. They're a half game back of Portland. They're one and a half games back of Minnesota for nine. How much does that matter? We were just talking to Jay Mars off, off of um, almost off camera, off mic, off air. air. And does and we should make it a poll. Maybe we'll make it a poll this week for KHTK. Does making the 10 seed do anything for you? Well, even if they do hypothetically make the 10 seed, are you going to be, oh my God, they made it. Wow. I mean, this is like my issue with to like make it a smaller thing and then expand upon it. Like it's, it's people taking bad shots during a game. Like it's the process of how you win that matters. Like it's great if you take a bad shot and you make it and you guys win the game, but you won because you hit a bunch of bad shots. Like, yeah, you win, but the process of getting there wasn't necessarily something that's sustainable and or something that you should really encourage as a way of getting the result. So like, yes, if they get the 10 seed, whoop de doo we did it. We, quote unquote, got over the hump, even if I don't think anyone will ever say that, but getting the 10 seed might be the NBA might consider an accomplishment, but as a fan, like you should not consider unless things change, you know, and you know, I guess things can in theory change with roster moves and maybe the team gets some form of identity, but if the team is going to continue to play like this and then just slip into a 10 seed, 
the process has to matter at some point. And like, you can't, the reason why that score season was so fun was because you saw things that you were like, okay, yeah, we might be a 500 team this year, but I think there's something to build upon next season. And if you just go in and you get the 10 seed and you're 10 games under 500 and you slip in next season, what's to think that, you know, what, like a realistic, it's the same thing that we were talking about coming into this season. Your only realistic expectation can be like 500 next year because you can't just make a 20 game swing unless you make a big move like that. Well, how many times over that? And again, that's the only, that's the most recent year that the team was, we can call competitive. Yeah, competitive. 2018 19, the, the scores. And year. even then, like, people might not remember, they slipped terribly at oh, the yeah. end of the year. I mean, like, they, I think there was a point where they were like, Four or five games over 500 with like 60 games in. For whatever reason, Vladi traded Shumpert for Alec Burks, who Alec Burks didn't play at all. Then now Alec Burks is a starting point guard. Yeah, on the was, that's playing. somebody you can add to our conversation we were having. Alec there. Burks, yeah, Alec who Burks. left people who've left Sacramento and gone on to do good things. Anything, yeah, just remain Alec in Burks is, is one of those very, it's a very limited list of people. Yep. Um, but yeah, the 2018 19 Kings, again, it's sad that we're saying, oh, yeah, the team that didn't do anything. <laughs> nope. But my, my point is, they at least competed every night. They, they didn't come out and look the way that this team has looked the last two games. I mean, in the, you look at the, the third game in Charlotte, which was probably the the most brutal ending of a game. But that's, that's worse than losing on a buzzer beater, in my mind. Yes. Would you say it was poetic. The loss against Charlotte on Friday, De'Aaron Fox at the line with two seconds left. Just needs one for, force overtime. He made eight in a row. Misses both. Is that a more painful than a buzzer beater? Yes, and I tweeted out after that game that the Kings continue to prove that losing can be an art form because, like, that, I mean, that is just art. Like, you cannot you cannot write a script where the Kings lose in that. Fa- like, for, for De'Aaron Fox, who we all know have known his free throw struggles throughout his career, specifically last season, for him to then, in a big situation, I think the Kings at that point are still on their three-game win streak, correct? Yeah. So this would be to extend it to four, uh, they're, it's the start of a road trip, get good feelings, sneak out of there with a win. And for him, like you said, makes eight straight. So again, hope, hope is a beezy, man. It's you, you think maybe he just like, he's just got to make one. He doesn't got to make both. Come on, Darren. We, you've made eight show. This is a big moment. We're all looking at you. You want to be the guy. You want to be the face of the turnaround. Make it happen right here. And for him to just, just, I mean, he missed the first, which we can be honest. We, we were probably all expecting him to yeah. miss at least one. Yeah. Um, I would have thought the second in my mind. But then, I mean, you even saw, I think we talked right after the game. After he missed the first, I think the ref might have like pump faked him the ball or something. But he had a reaction that was like, oh, come on, man. It, like. It, like he he was just off. He was too in his head. You could tell. We're a, guy, a couple of guys, and we we aren't former pro athletes. We aren't. Yeah. We weren't even Santa athletes when we were athletes. Uh, to put it lightly, but I know that you can't wear your emotions on your sleeve that cl- clearly. Not at that moment. In a moment either. like yeah. that, and I was watching it with with my sister who doesn't really watch sports that often. Hi, Kelly, if you're listening, and and Allie, my girlfriend, who they both aren't sports people, and they're like, "Wow, he looks really nervous." And I was like, yeah, I think he does too. And that's not great. 
not ideal. And I think everyone, and I saw on Twitter, people, everyone was pointing out the fact that after that first one did not fall, it just was so evident that De'Aaron Fox was in his head, completely in his head. And he even said after the game that he was trying to make adjustments after the first shot, and he, he thought he went too strong on the first shot, back iron, so he shortened it up, and he short-armed it. Sounds like rim. a free throw to me. I mean, yeah. That's being in your head. Yeah. That's not just yes. taking the shot and, no. play, and, you know, they say shoot, don't aim. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's also, I mean, yeah, that's why announcers will always make the cliche of like, oh, it's good to see the first one go in because you just do the same exact thing on the second Muscle one. memory, right? When you miss the first, that's when, that's when the real pressure sets in. And if the first one wasn't pressure enough, like you said, I mean, like he, he was wearing it on his face. Like it was very clear he did not want any part of those free throws. You know, he probably wouldn't. I know he wouldn't say that, but he, he would definitely would, would have rather anyone else. Be yeah, at the and line. he'll be the first to say, oh, my, he needs yeah. to do better. He knows. Yeah. And we're not sitting here saying, oh, yeah, no. Mean, we, oh, yeah, he missed free. Th- we know he, no athlete yeah. wants to make a mistake. Yes. No athlete, as much as people hate on them and, and maybe that they're they are apt to make certain mistakes. And maybe Buddy makes bad turnovers. De'Aaron misses free throws. Um, they're not intentional. No. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes. But the point is. From a star player, um, and we've seen we've seen LeBron do it before. LeBron seen, misses free throws all the time, it. and you know Ben Simmons for sure. You know the everyone wants to trade De'Aaron for Ben Simmons. I guarantee if Ben Simmons is in oh that same situation, goodness. it's it's going a whole lot worse than that. How does that work out? Yeah, and I know De'Aaron Fox is not LeBron James, and he might not even be Ben Simmons, but uh, he kept him in that game single handedly, yeah. which is one thing I think people need to kind of remember. He scored fourteen points in the fourth that on the Friday. Mm. Terrence Davis scored, I think, eight, and then the rest of the Kings scored zero. Mm-hmm. So, again, back to the roster, there's not enough talent on this roster right now. And I think we're all in a point where we're, we're waiting. We're all just waiting. Chris and I, like you all out there, probably like the, the team themselves are waiting because... They have to be. I was thinking about that the come. other day. Like, there's no way everyone, every single person in that organization has to know, like... Again, like this is not working. This group of guys is not working. Something has to be done. Something has to change. When, and I've heard a lot about the tomorrow's deadline, the December fifteenth for the off season acquisition restrictions. You know, you can then yeah. trade like sixty percent of the league is being able to be traded, and then eighty five tomorrow is able yes, to be traded. Definitely, and that does have some sort of impact, but. I still don't understand why, and no one has made a move yet in the whole league, but something should have happened. Like, this this Kings team isn't in a situation like everyone else. Like, they made their their intentions known that they wanted to be a playoff team. We've seen for a long time that this team is not on that trajectory. So it's strange to me, again, for the second straight season, we're sitting here waiting for Monty McNair to make a move when something clearly needs to change. Last season, we didn't see any major move and just kind of waited it out and it ended up being a pretty big dud. I don't think that'll happen this year, but I do also don't understand why we're putting us ourselves in the situation to be in that situation again. Well, the biggest move that Monty McNair has made in his time as GM was an, was an almost move. That's yeah. only, and it was the, the buddy healed for mm-hmm. Kyle Kuzma, uh, Montrez Harrell, mm-hmm. KCP, which has worked out very well yeah. for Washington. Yeah. We see Washington this week. I think Kuzma's they're going sliding to be out. pretty bad, but yeah. Well, they they're they some, were they were amazing at this start of the season, and those guys COVID. are playing great though. 
the whole league is kind of going through some COVID issues yeah. right now. Again, back to the, we said at the beginning, the pandemic was scaling down. Uh, <laughs> it's scale. It's it's. I think on the NFL, I think too, they canceled a game the other day for basketball. The NFL then, uh, was the most positive yeah. test they ever had in one day. Um, so, yeah, I uh, I don't know if some of these guys are going to be playing for Washington. Does that matter? No, because back to the Charlotte game, half of their team was not playing because of health and safety protocols. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point was, point being, Monty McNair's biggest trade, biggest acquisition didn't even happen, and it would have been a good move, sure. Both of them would but the, the Both almost moves would have been great. The DiVincenzo move, the, the Harold, Kuzma. Uh, but almost uh, doesn't cut it, yeah. and we're still here at the same roster, yeah. mostly that Vladi Divac yeah. put together himself. Yeah, I saw someone on Twitter last night, again, one of the Kings Herald guys, I think it was um, it was Tony. Tony. It was Tony Zipterra said another another bad loss for Vladi Divac's roster. So yeah, yeah, I mean it, it is. is. It just is his roster. Uh, I mean the, the only two players that you could say Monty really you know has put his identity not identity but put his stamp on is Tyrese and, and Davion, and both of those guys aren't really making much of an impact in terms of winning. Obviously, the team hasn't been winning, but. Um, Tyrese has had a very, very up and down year. Uh, and Davion is now starting to get a little bit uh, more. I mean, he's, he's had a very good, I think month, five stretch of games yeah. here, but, uh, defensively we haven't quite in the Cleveland game. You saw the intensity pick back up, but even him, uh, after that game in his press conference said, like, I need to pick up the ball pressure all game. It can't just be, like, a second half or, like, once I get into the flow of things. Like, he will even admit, like, his defense has not been, I won't say as advertised, but it hasn't been what's been necessary uh, for the team to succeed. And it's not, you know, it's not Davion's fault. He's a rookie. You know, it's not Tyrese's fault. He's in his second year still trying to figure out his game. But um, those guys are Monty's guys, and... You know, that we're not getting it's not significant impact, you know, like Harrison yeah. Barnes and, and Rashawn Holmes are two guys who have made a lot more impact than those two guys. And, you know, those should realistically be our those are our role players. And instead, Davion and Tyrese are playing that way. Yeah, I am um, looking at the, the, the list of names we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes has been a name that Harrison Barnes since coming back and the first game back was pretty he had a pretty good night against the Clippers or uh, Orlando. But since then, three games, we're looking at seven points per game, 25% from the field, 25% from the three-point line, and four rebounds. It's just he yeah. – I feel like – and we said it last year and this year, when the, when Harrison Barnes plays well, the Kings play well. And you look at those three games right there, and it doesn't all fall on one player. Of course not. Um, but Harrison Barnes is, is yeah. not even playing like Harrison Barnes of old. He's – I'm wondering if it's his, mm-hmm. his foot. Could it be injury affecting him? Uh, his minutes have been limited. 26 minutes against Charlotte. He didn't play down the entire closing stretch, and Buddy Heald did. And Coach Gentry said after the game that Harrison felt fine, but for whatever reason, he just didn't put him back in, which is kind of intriguing to me. Uh, and then obviously the two blowout losses, I'm, I'm assuming their minutes were limited because um, of how horrific it was. But if HB is not going to be playing the way that HB usually plays, if Tyrese Halliburton is going to be as inconsistent as we've seen him play over the last couple of days, if Buddy Heald is going to be as bad as Buddy Heald's been for the past two, three weeks, there's there's no there's no situation where this team can get back. It's just a move will need to happen sooner than later, or else we're not going to be looking at a tendency. We're going to be looking at 
Another lotto trip to the lotto. So um, I think the Kings are like what four game, like the fourth worst record right now in the NBA. Like they have the fourth pick in the draft or something like that. I heard. Yeah. Fifth. Yeah. It's um, Tankathon is our friend again. Yeah. But it's um, we talked. We've talked about this stuff all already, and it's exhausting. Yeah. I think I'm at the point now where it's just. I mean, we've been in in wait and see for a trade mode, but. I like now I don't think anyone I mean I've never thought anyone is untouchable but I think at this point like you might need to be searching for trades for these guys like I think there was kind of no way that Harrison was going to be like the focal point of any deal I think now you need to start exploring maybe you know can Harrison get us something especially with his play of I mean I just think from a fantasy, you know, if this was fantasy sports. Okay, Harrison had a ridiculous first month or month and a half when we saw him do it last year. I would like to capitalize on that value and try and get something else for it because we've seen Harrison can kind of go, come and go, and he can either be this really solid 18 to 20 plus point a game guy that can really be an impact player, but then on other nights he can be. Derek Jones Jr. And it's just like, okay, like he's, he's fine. He's solid, but he's getting me eight to 12 points. And like, that's fine. That's replaceable, but I need more from my starting three. Um, well, where is the consistency? Where is the consistency coming from right now? Marvin and De'Aaron? I mean, it's kind of crazy. I wouldn't even but- say, I mean, Marvin has been consistent in his limited role. Like he obviously hasn't been putting up 18 and 12 every night, but he's been at that, 10 and 10 every night. De'Aaron, De'Aaron's been consistently our best player, but what that best player is, is very wide, very, I mean, like I think the other night uh, he, he was our leading scorer with like 15 points or something like that. And then uh, last night uh, against um, was it Cleveland. Wasn't last night. Um, who Toronto, was last night? Toronto. Toronto was last night. He it's had hard to 20, remember all Yeah, these. he had, what, 25, 26 points, something yeah, like 20, that? Yeah, 29. And then nobody else. I think Marvin was our next leading scorer well, at 10. So it's like Marvin, what he is as a best player varies. Marvin, his last five games, he's averaging 11.6 points, mm-hmm. nine rebounds, 47% from the field. Uh, he Turnovers are 0.2. I mean, he, he's, he's making good decisions. Mm-hmm. This is the best basketball I think he's Played. I mean, again, he's played in longer spurts and spurts. Best team seen, basketball for sure. But he's he's doing all the right things, and that's great. And it's going to raise his value for sure. Like his value, it still might be low, but it's going to raise his value. But the problems of his team, I don't think Marvin Bagley is a problem on the floor. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, he has been playing very well as of late. If I can pull up his recent numbers, I don't believe he is a problem. You can point at the missed free throws the other night, and that's its own thing. But um, since Let's go back to, I think this is a 10-game span, 11-game span. 23 points per game, 50% from the field, 4 assists per game, 4 rebounds per game, and he's shooting 30% from 3, which is not great by any standards. But It's higher he, than his season average. He was shooting <laughs> around 15% to start the season. He's up to 26% now, um, 45% in the field. He's averaging 21-5. and five. That's Those are good numbers. Yeah. They're not all-star, superstar numbers like they were last year, but... Um, the consistency is coming from De'Aaron Fox. It's coming from Marvin Bagley. There's zero consistency from Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton. Rashawn Holmes has been injured, yeah. so you're not getting anything from him right now. Um, 
Well, and the problem is, too, with these guys, I'm thinking of, like, their impact, it's all scoring. Like, Harrison Barnes, if he's not, like, it, there's no need. Harrison Barnes shouldn't have to give you 20 points a game for him to have value. Like, he just, but during a game, it's not like he'll ever have, oh, my gosh, Harrison was really, like, dishing the, he had six assists tonight. He didn't have, he has six, six assists, 12 points, eight rebounds. Like, where are those games? Where are the games where you're like, Harrison had three blocks today, or he really locked down Paul George today. It's just you don't see it. And, you know, I'm picking on Harrison there, but you can apply that to any, you know, uh, Marvin, that's not really being asked of him. Rashawn, where is Rashawn's, if he only has eight points and isn't getting the ball, why doesn't he have 15 rebounds or something like that? Um, it's just uh, something besides scoring. And the team needs playmaking, obviously. De'Aaron's assists are incredibly low for him. That's because Tyrese has picked up more of a, a playmaking role. But uh, even Tyrese, I think, is at six assists per game. So for your two guard, your starting guards to be averaging 10 assists a game, like you can get better than that or you need better than that from from other positions. You need the ball to be moving a lot more. You can't just have these two guys be the the engine for your team because, you know, they they're just going to wear out and they're not that good yet. Um, it's tough. I don't know. I think I think if they were going to bring in more, you know, if they were going to make a move, it's I think I've said this on air before, but the team is kind of built on Jenga blocks where it's like, you know, you trade Buddy. Well, it's well that, now you have no let's shooting right now, then, yeah. because I mean, that's pretty much all we have. That's again, that's, that's all the conversation. That's the left, only so. conversation I want to have about this when team. You can let you you run point on this. Then we talked about the Jade just a few yeah. moments ago. What what is your? We've seen the Kings linked to Sabon, Demonte Sabonis. We've seen them linked to Miles Turner. Then we've seen it kind of be disputed a little bit here and there. I know Jason Anderson from the Zach B had a he had a piece come out that said that the Kings are actually not looking at those two, but they're looking at. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, which we have seen multiple outlets, the Athletic, now Sack B, claiming that the Kings are in on Ben Simmons. They're one of a, a third of the league yeah. that are trying to get Ben Simmons. Everyone wants Ben Simmons. But is there a way the Kings can get one of these guys? Because you started kind of throwing out some options. Do you have like a f- – what is your offer? What is your – okay, we're going to pick up the phone. Let's talk about it. Okay. To To both of those guys? Let's let's do Ben Simmons because and then we'll do Ben Simmons. Then we'll we'll do probably I'd say Sabonis is the tar- I know Miles Turner is a Kings target, but I mm-hmm. think that it's Sabonis or, or Simmons. That's just the way things look like they're unfolding. I think it's tough, especially. I mean, it's been well known that Daryl Morey wants a star if he's going to trade Ben Simmons. He he doesn't want to do a you know a Buddy Heald Marvin Bagley five picks or whatever. Or maybe five picks would do it, but he he wants to try and get a star out of this, um, out of this trade. So with that said, I think, I think you have, you just have to start the conversation with one of De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton. If you're actually trying to get the deal done, it's a non-starter. If one of those names is not involved, do you think Tamori? Tamori? Yes, absolutely. I I, I think McNair would try and exhaust every option he has, um, before getting to that talk. But I think Daryl at the end of the day would just say like, I can't I can't do it unless at least Tyrese is in that in 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 the talks. Um even then like it's kind of a conversation of what you want your future team to be. Uh I think I've heard, you know, there there's been much talked about the fit of De'Aaron and and Ben Simmons, two non-shooters, um two big ball handlers who can't shoot and how would they play off each other um when the other doesn't have the ball? 
I think those concerns are pretty legitimate. Um, I think it would just require the Kings to be a different style of team. You might see them kind of lean more heavily into being a, a defensive team and maybe, you know, not, you know, uh, 130 points a game kind of team. Um, maybe, you know, something more like what the Knicks were last year where they they know their identity, they know what they're good at, and they know how they can win games, and that's the only way they could. Um, but the possibility of... Tyrese and Ben Simmons, I think leaves your roster with a little bit more room to play with. Tyrese isn't quite, you know, it doesn't quite have the usage percentage De'Aaron does. He doesn't, um, I mean, you know, that's kind of out of fit right now, but I don't think even if Tyrese were your starting point guard, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who just looks, I mean, not that De'Aaron looks for his either, but Tyrese really, like we've seen him post multiple single digit games this year. If if he doesn't feel like his shot is is there, he's not going to search for it really. So I think in that sense, it'll be nice to have him as a shooter. Uh, he can play off ball. He can you know extend the court when Ben is, is playing point guard. But um, I'm kind of rambling. But no, I just think that it's it's tough. It, I mean, it's it's a like I said, it's a balancing. When act. it comes down to it, I think that if the Kings are going to make a big move, and I think people are are speculating that they're going to try, yeah, they may or may not, but. I think it's going to take one of De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, or Davion Mitchell to be moved. I think that's definitely a hundred percent. Like you said, it's a non-starter if not one of those names are involved yeah. for any teams because no one's just going to take the 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 old reliable like the mm-hmm. meme we've seen of yeah. the I think Brendan Nunez mm-hmm. posted a lot the old yep. old reliable Buddy Heal the Marvin Bagley yeah. that uh, that's not going to if if it was going to get you Ben Simmons it would have gotten him already. So I think it's like going to be the uh, there's a Famous cliche, one for me, one for you. Yeah, it's going to be like that, where it's like, all right, the Kings really want to move Buddy Heald. That's our like, Buddy Heald's going to be included in any deal. I'm not saying Buddy doesn't have value, but like, if the Kings are going to make a move, they definitely want to move Buddy. That's what I would guess. I, obviously, that's not sourced really at all, but off of pretty much anything that anyone has said, it's pretty clear that the team is the team feels like Buddy is a problem. Um. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I think that's also kind of tough because, you know, you're you're already starting with here. Here's two players that have to be involved in this deal. Um, and then you have to kind of fit everything around that. I think it's probably going to end up being a lot of draft picks that gets the deal done for Sabonis or or Simmons. I just how much it ends up being and like the protections on it are, are definitely what's going to be the key for yeah. how people feel. We're at a point. Where where we're we're gonna have to leverage the future on yeah. I'm I'm talking three, four first round picks. If yes. they wanna make these deals happen without giving up Tyrese or one of these these younger guys, uh Davion, Tyrese, um those are the only two. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's gonna take a lot of leveraging in the future. And again, what we talked about with Jay, we should have, we should have just recorded our conversation with Jay, uh was it might take one of those Paul George type hauls mm. where the Kings have to give up a lot of first round picks. And I know a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. I'm not necessarily a draft pick hugger. What kind of protections would you want to put on those? Ideally, if any, even like would, would fill it up. That's what I was saying. Top, I was thinking top five, top three. I think maybe you can like do a top three, top five, and then top 10 pick swap, you know, 
I would rather not pick swap. I don't I'm, fully understand how the pick swaps work, but I'm uh, kind of scarred from yeah, pick swap. I'll, you know, I, I think a pick. Yeah, the Kings would have gotten Tatum in that draft. Yes, yeah, they would have. Yeah. Um, or Lonzo, probably. Oh. I think they probably would have taken Lonzo. Well, Lonzo I think was Lonzo, two. Home. Lonzo was two. gone two no matter yeah, what. He was two. It was would have been yeah. the Kings at three, Celtics at five. Um, you know what? We're foolish to even assume that they would have taken Josh Jackson. They would have taken Josh. They would have absolutely taken Josh Jackson, and we would have just had to watch it. As another one bites the dust. <laughs> yep, and then De'Aaron Fox and no, De'Aaron oh, probably would have gone to Phoenix. Already could have seen it. Just yeah, and they probably wouldn't have had Chris Paul. What a bizarre world it could be. You know, like the you know? Spider-Man movie coming out, the, yeah, the, multiverse. the multiverse. I wonder what multiverse, like what multiverse looks like in a different dimension where the Kings yeah. take Luca. They don't make that deal from Vladi. They end up getting a top three pick. Not to be sad, Jason Tatum. I was thinking about this yesterday, like. If the team moved, like if the team would have moved when the relocation saga was happening, like what would we be doing right now? Like this, the whole city would be like Doko. Doko I, I would say ninety nine percent sure would not exist. No, I wouldn't. Do, I don't think anything would be in its place. Like yes, downtown. It'd still uh, be the, it? the mall. Yeah, the downtown mall. The downtown mall was not thriving in any. I think I'm pretty sure the downtown mall was pretty much already dead by the time it was dead. But I think it was not literally. No, dead i think there was like a, obviously macy's was there they had like river city brewing and a starbucks still open it's sad but, it's um, sad yeah i just just i was thinking about that the other day just like I, um, that multiverse of like are you and i here even. yeah I, i'm probably we're probably not recording this podcast no, right probably, now we, we probably don't even know each other yeah we would not even know no because no. i would never work for the kings that would never brought me here i probably would have gone to stanford yeah um, i probably you know. would be like a harvard graduate yeah. Thanks, Kings. And I'd be Sick. naming the, awesome. the Omicron. Yeah. We, we, we'd be naming <laughs> it would have been it. called the Carticelli variant. Yeah, we'd be well, naming ooh, it. you probably ooh, actually don't, I don't want, want that. that. Well, it's like I, I just went and saw um, I saw Don't Look Up with Leo oh, DiCaprio okay. coming out. I, it was in theaters, so I saw it. And um, no spoilers, but the, there's a comic coming, and that's what the whole movie's about. Mm-hmm. And they name it after the scientist who found it. Like They named it after Jennifer Lawrence's character who found it. And I was just thinking nice. – I don't want a comet that's coming with the with, that could destroy yeah. the world to be named after me. Here comes the Cardicelli coming Here it comes. down. <laughs> Gonna um, end no. worlds. But uh, yeah, I mean, we could keep going in circles all day about this stuff. Point is, it, it's a very sad time, and I'm I'm afraid of what tomorrow is going to look like at the uh, at that yeah. said Doco Golden One area. Mm-hmm. It's um it's sad being at the games right now because the, the, the turnout is just getting worse and worse as each game passes, and um. The fans need that jolt. Like, I know when they made the Rudy Gay trade back in 2013, did it work out? No, it didn't. But it for that game, I remember they got, like, a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. Rudy Gay, Quincy AC, and Aaron Gray, they went to the game, and they're in street clothes. And they got a standing ovation. And the Kings beat the hell out of, I think, the Magic that night. And Derek Williams was getting alley-oop dunks and stuff. And it was just such a fun night because it seemed like a jolt of energy, um, a, sh- a shot in the arm. Mm-hmm. Just showing that the organization is trying, and they're yeah. trying to make the right moves and try to make try to make the team better. I think Kings fans need a reassurance. Hey, we're trying to make this team better. We're trying to make the right moves, mm-hmm. and are they? They might be. They might not be getting the right fights. Mm-hmm. But uh, this roster is is it's the same roster as last year, except for Davion Mitchell and Tristan Thompson. It's the same exact roster. It's the same, same, mm-hmm. same, same roster. So yeah, something's got to happen. It's weird. I don't. I don't know if this even makes sense. But like, I remember when they made that Rudy Gay trade, being like, "Oh, like it finally feels like we're like an NBA team. Like we're an actually like part of part of the thirty. 
because like we're, we're now getting players that are like actual impact players on other teams and not just, oh yeah, this is our collection of guys and we're trying to make it work over here. We just kind of keep rolling this out and like it's not working, but this is just kind of Sacramento trying to figure it out. He was a big name too. He was a he very was, yes. big name. Like I mean, Rudy was averaging 20 a game. He was the best player on those Raptor teams that yeah, were it, struggling it mightily. DeRozan. But, yeah. DeRozan was still kind of coming into his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Lowry wasn't really Kyle yeah. Lowry yet. And Rudy Gay, hate to say, I mean, once he left Toronto, they completely took off. Yeah, but. it was a little bit like uh, Harrison Barnes and, well, the situation of Rudy and, and Harrison were similar. Of Like, Harrison was in, in Dallas just kind of being the ball hog, if you will, and kind of putting up crazy numbers while the team sucked, and Rudy was kind of anchoring down the Raptors as well. Not to switch gears, I thought this was a Linsanity game for a minute. Um, this is a previously recorded Warrior Nick game. This looks like it's from Linsanity, though, doesn't Pablo it? Pablo Prigioni's running point. Um, DK, since we're kind of Jared getting Jared Jackson here. Carl Landry just contested a three. As we were getting off of the Kings, Richard and, Jefferson and we'll get into rebound. a quick award and everything, we'll get into our, our b-ball ref. Um, Linsanity. Do you remember Linsanity? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was like, I was strangely early on Linsanity. Let's pull up those. Like, those I remember l- watching... Uh, there was the notorious Toronto game where he hit the game winner. I remember watching that live. I can't remember. I, they must have like put it on NBA TV as it was happening. Uh, I remember the the marquee uh, game against the Lakers where he had like 25 points against Kobe and all them. Um, I think that might have been like a Kobe Dwight team. And uh, yeah, it was just a weird like... It was. It went on for like a solid month. No, he, he, like it was not like, the, oh, this guy's good for a week. Like he had a good. The height of Linsanity, and this is just a, a sample size. He played well after this, but this was just the, the ridiculous numbers. There was an eleven game stretch for Jeremy Lin that season, twenty eleven and twenty twelve season. This was in February of twenty twelve. He averaged twenty four points per game, nine assists, four rebounds, fifty percent from the field, and thirty percent, thirty six percent from the three point line. This man was playing like a superstar. Yeah. And An all-star from the G League. That went on to the end of the year. He had plenty of 18-10, double-double, uh, 20 and 6, 15 and 9. Like he played well the yeah. entire season. Then he got a he got a big check, I think, from, yeah. from Houston. Houston, yeah. Um but I just wanted to kind of look back on, on Linsanity. I loved Linsanity. It was so fun. And I mean, like, it's it's I remember thinking, like, why doesn't this happen more? But it also was the moment where I kind of realized, like, oh man, these guys are like Crazy good. Was like, it the, the first G League success story? Um, Definitely the first one that they made, like, really widely known. He played in Reno, I think. He Reno, played in Reno, which, points. like, no, I'm sure nobody had any. I mean, I shouldn't say nobody. But the 1% of people probably knew he played for Reno. I don't remember him being part of Reno at all. And, of course, he was part of Santa Cruz Warriors, I think, as well. Well, the big one was that Laker game when yeah. he had 30, 38 points. 38 points, seven assists. Uh, the team, he, I mean, he played with Jared Jeffries, Landry Fields, Henry Walker, Steve Henry Novak. Field. Mike Bibby got minutes in that game uh, yeah. for the Knicks. Yeah, that was that stretch when Melo was out, Amari was out, and they were literally just like, we need somebody, and Jeremy was there. And then Melo came back, and I remember there was a lot of talk of like, is this going to work because Melo doesn't pass and Melo wants to be the star and all that. and he did kind of tail off a little bit, and Lynn Sanity oh, slowed Lynn, down. Lynn but. Sanity went away, but he, Jeremy Lynn did have a good career. I mean, we're, we're already like, I feel he like did, we're already yeah. on a b-ball ref, but it's just we're giving Jeremy Lynn his flowers. Yeah. Uh, he did have a pretty good 
uh, NBA career. I think it's probably over. Um, but he did get a he got a ring. He was on that that Raptors team. Did you know that? Uh, yes, I did. He was yeah, on the Raptors he uh, team. he um, yeah, he he got the ring. Um, I don't think he played any minutes for them, but he he, uh, he did. He played like he the really? end of game. Oh. It was a blowout. Uh, he played, yeah, in game five. Love it. Um, yeah, against the Warriors, he had one minute played in the finals. One minute, but one minute more than you and I will mm-hmm. ever play. That's a finals um, minute. While we're on the subject of V-Ball Ref, do you, do you have any awards you want to give out? Are we skipping awards? I don't think we should give awards this no. week. No one, no, one, one deserves, no one deserves it. I mean, like, yeah, what, you're going to give it to De'Aaron? He missed those two free throws. Yeah, no thanks. Okay. Um, I got one. I'll Can't do it. For... B-ball hmm. reference roulette. Hmm. Do you have anybody? Um. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'll um, let you go first. It I'll might go be, first. We might yeah. have the same guy in mind. It's probably. Um. Well, I, I want to make a point actually because Festus Azili is one of these guys um, on our list. You're a college just, guy. Yes. Um, you a college baby. You were college, but also went to Jesuit high school in Sacramento. Yeah, he's which, a local guy. Jesuits, I went to Christian Brothers. Jesuits are big rival. I don't recall Festus at Jesuit, but... I don't think he played. He didn't play at Yuba College either. He just came out here. Uh, I think he's from... Is he from... He is from Nigeria. He's from Nigeria. And he came out to the States, and he... I believe he just was a student. I don't think he was playing basketball. I think he was, like, scouted by the coach, if Mm, I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. That sounds super familiar. And he worked out, and then he... I think he worked out and then went to Vanderbilt, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm. Uh, he went to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, yep. But his high school says Jesuit does. in Sacramento, California. So Festus Zeely, we got to at least shout out he the, was, the Sacramento He tie. was interesting. He played yeah. so well that 15-16 year. And yeah. if you look at his stats too, 2015-16, seven points and five rebounds per game yeah. over 16 minutes, they never played again. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he got hurt. He signed with the Blazers and then got hurt. He never just played. never played. Never played again. I mean, per 36 mm-hmm. minutes... He was averaging 15 and 12 mm. per 36. Um, yeah, he was kind of like the Warriors when they, I mean, they were obviously searching for a center when they had no money because they had spent it all on Clay and Steph and Katie and Draymond. And so they were like, we need to just patch together. And Festus was the first in a long line of Damian Joneses and Kavon Looney's now in that role. And, uh, you know, they, they have Wiseman now. So. It's just funny to see like how that's progressed through four years, five years, and that's yeah. also crazy. Is like the Warriors were on top, like on top of the world three years ago. Uh, Is that right? Four years yeah, ago. Yeah, I'd say two years ago. Right. That's like it. Just feels like so. It they, feels they made, like a they whole made the different. finals two seasons ago. I remember ago. like when they were, yeah, when like Katie and all that. I was like, this is going to be the rest of my life. Is just the Warriors, 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 Warriors being Warriors. amazing and being unstoppable well, and being what? the new Lakers. They're back. And yeah, they are back. So I guess. And Clay's coming back, what, in a week? I think a week from today. He is coming in a week. Yeah. Yes. We um, might see him. Oh, no. I think he might just miss the Kings. Let's hope so because we know what's happened before. And uh, don't we don't bring need, up the 35. Yeah, we just don't quarter. need. I was in Tahoe when that happened. Shout out that. Um, but the person that I wanted to bring up was James Johnson. Um, more specifically, uh, apparently James Johnson, the twi- Taekwondo master. If you I mean King's legend, King's legend. And I do want to talk about that King's legend because literally, and I'm sure this is true for other people. The only thing I remember James Johnson in a King's jersey for is his game winner against the Knicks. It was the worst game winning shot 
I think I've ever seen. The whole sequence was was chaos. Terrible. On both, first of all, the Knicks threw an alley oop with they, they had yeah. they could dribble the clock out. Yeah. Jason Kidd threw an alley oop to Chandler. Boogie picks it off. If you're listening to this, go just type in James Johnson Kings buzzer beater and watch Isaiah Thomas throw a, a, a ball off the side of the backboard, get his own rebound, like run to the corner. And then just like I then he shot it again, right? And then doesn't I think the miss no, I think goes Sol- to Jim. I think John John Salmons took a shot or something. It, it yes, was, yes, yeah. John Salmons takes a shot and got back tapped by gets, Boogie. I yeah, think. and then it goes to the three point line, and James Johnson catches it almost like the Robert Ory tip. And I'm sorry to mention that, but it was it was the same exact kind Can't of thing. He dropped an RH bomb. He, on yeah, I know the pod. I know, um, and he he like. It was the. It's also like the ugliest shot I've ever. He like completely rocks his body and like cradles it and just pretty much hucks it at the rim, and he made it. And like I think the final score was like ninety one to eighty eight or something it, like that. I have it right here. I know this is an audio only thing, but if you're out it's there, just, just put it on. It's there's there's eighteen seconds left. The Knicks have the ball, and for some reason they're up by two, trying to score. Throw the lob. Isaiah brings it down. They try and get a mid range shot. He misses it off glass, and then who is that? That's, is that James Johnson that tips James it Johnson back to Isaiah? Isaiah throws it to Salmons in the corner. Salmons throws it to James Johnson at the top of the key. That's what it is. And it's not an Ori tip. It, it was not a John Salmons shot attempt. Jimmy yes. Fredette's on the floor no. going crazy. Travis Outlaw, Kings legends. Yeah, who, um, name everyone who's who's on the court right I just there. Named so a good Isaiah, John Salmons, James Johnson, Demarcus, Tyler Honeycutt, and, uh, um, other people. Yeah, there's a lot of old pe- old people that aren't on the team. And didn't do anything in the league like Johnson. I mean, John uh, James Johnson. Johnson, yes. And what I remember James Johnson for that season specifically is he could not make a shot to say, like, I've never seen somebody so poor at offense as James Johnson was that season. Um, he averaged five points a game that year, 41% from the field, point nine percent from three. Under 10%. He was 9% from three. That's not great. That that was like I think that was the first three he'd hit all season on that on that game winner. That I'm going to check right now. It I'm was going the to first check three, his team totals. It was the year. first three he hit all season long on that James Johnson Kings buzzer beater. I promise you, he made two threes that season. And That was the first. He one. was two of twenty one from three that year. Then he became kind of a shooter. Kind of became one. He did. I mean, yeah, he never shot worse than that. That's that's for sure. He never <laughs> shot nine percent from three again. I would hope not. Um. My last one is someone I think deserves some respect, and he probably will be a guy we see as a coach at some point in the future in our lifetime. And he's only 37 years old. Brandon Roy. Brandon Roy's only 37 years old. Did you know that? No, I didn't. That's so sad. That is <laughs> like, sad. That is, like, depressing. He was, Chris, he was your age. Yeah. My, a little younger than I was when he, when he had yeah, to leave the league. Yeah, when he stopped, yeah. He was, those years, though, from when he was 22 to 20. Five. He averaged over 20 points per game. He was a three-time All-Star. Had those big moments in the playoffs for the, the early Portland teams, the pre-Damian Lillard Portland teams. Um, that's that's like the prime LaMarcus Aldridge, Wesley Matthews Portland teams, right? Yeah, those teams. I mean, those teams were so good. I mean, yeah, LaMarcus, yeah, fit, Robin Nate Lopez, McMillan, Andre Miller, so good. Young Young Batum, a baby Batum. Mm-hmm. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge was even a. 24-year-old, 25-year-old. Um, Travis Outlaw was a role player back then. Anthony Tolliver, who I feel like has played basketball since 1974, even though he's only 32 years old. Um, 
was on the team as well. So yeah, that's sad. Brandon Roy though is going to be a good. I mean, he's already been what coach high school coach of the year, I think. For, yeah, for the state of Washington. Think, yeah, he he coaches high school. He coaches AAU. He's kind of you know he's bounced back into a nice little basketball life, which is good for him. I'm sure. I, I can't imagine how tough that is. Like as especially to have done it, like to have actually reached the point of being a good player. Like it's one thing if whatever, if Marvin Bagley's career ends tomorrow, he can be like, ah, like injuries just never got me there. And like, that's frustrating. That's its own set of frustration, but to have known like, nah, man, like I, I was it. Like I, I would have made hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars. Like, and it just out of your control. Like it's just your body failed you. And that's, Ah oh, man, like that's, it's a bummer. That's just some I real sad. Start running on a sad one, but that's kind of the tone of the pod. Um, Saying that Brandon Roy made ninety nine million dollars in his career. Really, ninety nine million dollars. He must have gotten paid kind of like the Prince Fielder deal, where uh, he had to retire because of injuries, and they, they so honor contract. very strange here. I'm looking at his 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 breakdown. He got a new contract going into the 2010 season. Uh, played through it until the 2013 season. He made. Uh, escalated from 13 to 16, signed a one-year deal with the T-Wolves, and then signed God, I think that, two years. That Is that like been deferred? It must have must been, like have been right? Money because they paid him $40 million after he'd been retired for two years. Very strange. Somebody go look at, at Brandon Roy's basketball reference and, and explain that to us. Well, they do that. They defer money sometimes. Yeah. As we know, we talked about the A's. Oakland A's tried to defer Marcus Semyon's. Sixteen million over like fifteen years, yeah. paying one million a year until twenty forty or twenty thirty eight, whatever. What year is it? I don't even know. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else? Um, let's see. Let me see if there's any other basketball reference here. Um, shout out Mario Hazonia. He's on this list. I saw him throw down a uh, alley oop the other day. I think he plays for. I want to say Fernabachi, but I think that's wrong. He plays for some uh, team overseas now. He was a top five pick, and he's yeah. gone. Hazonia was somebody I would have put money down was going to be a king at some point. That was um, the year that we drafted eighth that, that year? That the South draft? That was sixth. 15. We might have taken him. That was Willie. We he went take, right before We Willie. would have taken him if, if Willie, or yes. if, if he didn't go five, the Kings would have taken Mario Hazonia. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. How strange is it that Vladi was so enamored with these these prospects from overseas, but then he just doesn't doesn't take the L word. Very strange. I don't understand that. I'm also looking at this draft right now, and I think the Kings actually. I I mean, you know, if you if you're being a, a big, it's a bad draft. You know, if you if you can look into the future, obviously the Kings didn't do great. But if you look at the immediate picks after Willie Cauley Stein, it's Willie Cauley Stein at six, Emmanuel Mudiay at seven, who I was convinced the Kings were going to take, Stanley Johnson at eight. It's a bad draft. Frank Kaminsky at nine. Justice Winslow, who people held on hope for for the longest time. We've seen that just didn't work out. And then Miles Turner at 11. He wasn't really an option at Rashawn. six. Rashawn went 37th. Devin Booker went 13th. Yeah, so out of that draft, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, Kristaps, D'Lo, Montrez Harrell, Miles Turner, Josh Richardson, Kelly Oubre, Terry Rozier. That's it, really. Norman Powell, you can make an argument that he's a good player. Larry Nance. There's all right, guys, but um, yeah, I don't know. Just, in, just interesting. No, DeLon Wright's in there. I mean, these are these are guys that are good players. Pat Connaughton. Um, 
Kevon Looney's a starter for the Warriors. I mean, it just was not a very good Can draft. I shout out Scott Skiles, who I believe has the record? Single season. Yeah, single, single game. game I think me. 25 I think in a game 30, or something like 30. that. Which want, is just absolutely, like, that is insane. I want to say he had 30. Game highs. Scott Skiles had a 30-assist game. 30-assist game. In uh, 1990. Was that with Shaq? Uh, nope. Doubtful. That was... <laughs> Bro, he had, he had 22, 6, and 30. Rajon Rondo is shaking. Golly. That looks fake. That looks like a 7 to 13 from the field. I mean, and they won by 40. Dennis Scott had 18. Jerry Reynolds, not our Jerry Reynolds, but a Jerry Reynolds scored 27. Yeah, that is insane. Yeah, and this was a Magic team that <laughs> this victory, this... <laughs> <laughs> no, they're bad. This victory put them at seven and twenty-three. Hey, they finished the year thirty-one fifty-one though. Not bad. So you're saying there's hope? They want to run. Yeah, they want to run. Well, the Kings going to run. Remains to be seen. Uh, upcoming schedule for the Kings. They're going to be at home. We're going to have to get comfortable. They're going to yeah. be at home for a while. A lot of home games coming up. And this this could get very. If the Kings continue to play poorly at home, we're going to. It's going to get... There's not going to be a lot of fans there, but the fans there are going to be loud. This is not an easy stretch coming Booze. Up. Washington is tough. Memphis is tough. The Spurs kick... You know, I can't say curse words as much anymore now because of certain stuff. Things. Uh, the Warriors are going to... I mean, that's a scheduled loss. Clippers, Memphis, OKC, Dallas, Dallas. Yeah. Uh, OKC in there even even beat the Kings this year. So it, it, there's no more looking at the schedule saying, oh, it gets easier. There's no more of that. No more because the Kings wins that they've picked up have made zero sense being the Lakers, being the, the, the Blazers. Um, it all makes no sense. So we'll see what happens. And yeah, this is why we cringe. I think we mentioned it last time we were recording, but this is why we cringed when uh, Luke King, I believe, uh, at practice said, yeah, we have some some a uh, stretch of winnable games here coming up, and yep. and uh, yeah, all, you know, we, we look forward that. to that. Um, and yeah, that's uh, you know, that's uh, that's all right. Yeah, Jay Jay Marge is saying something yeah, to us. You know what he's saying? No, I don't. Okay. Um, all right. Well, but on uh, on that note, we're gonna wrap it up. And uh, for Frankie Cardicelli and uh, I'm Chris Watkins. Jay Mars is speaking on the other side of the board. I don't know if he's saying things to our podcast, but. We'll find out. Uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, I think he said it's not recording. I can't hear him. Oh, I still can't hear him. We can't hear you. Anyways, uh, that's know. it. It might not even recording. <laughs> <laughs>